launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous group that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Seipt and site expert Stephen Kibitza. This DJ's so funky, man. Okay, let's go. Welcome back to the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. We are here talking another Cleveland Browns victory. I'm Stephen Kibitza, joined, as always, by Andrew Seipt. Andrew, do you think the Browns can go undefeated this preseason? No, I just think they got to save some for the regular season. So I, I appreciate the winning now, but hopefully it translates to actual meaningful wins. Like well. a 16-0 season. Unlikely, but you know <laughs> I'll keep my I'll keep my fingers crossed like everybody else. Like, wouldn't that be something? Like if they actually did that, you'd be like, wait, the Browns are going 16 and 0. It'd be un- weird because people still wouldn't be confident in the divisional round. Oh. We'd be having a quarterback competition next camp. If, if <laughs> like if we lost if we went sixteen and zero and lost in the first round of the playoffs, th- there might be another quarterback competition. Oh yeah, they'd cut Kaiser because he you know threw one <laughs> interception. But before we get ahead of ourselves, hypothetically, this last win, thirteen to nine over the Bucks, and yeah, wasn't an amazing game by any standard. Another good defensive performance, but I think the biggest story. <laughs> probably the biggest story in the whole city, is the fact that as of today, as of when we're recording Sunday afternoon, Deshaun Kaiser's officially named the starting quarterback for week one. What did you like out of him Saturday night? I think the stat line reads a little bit differently than how he actually played. In case you weren't aware, 6 of 18, 93 yards, one interception, no touchdowns. The 6 of 18 is a little concerning, but just watching the game, I honestly didn't know he was 6 of 18 until they said that stat at halftime. You know, watching the game, I mean, he had one, I think it was the third throw of the game where he stepped up and just slung that, like, perfect ball to Corey Coleman on the sideline. It made you just go, wow, you know, this. <laughs> we actually have a quarterback. He can make throws that, that quarterbacks like Kessler and Hogan and Osweiler can't, and I'm not surprised to see him be named the starter. Yeah, there were drops mixed in there, too. And like you said, the throw to Coleman, I think, I mean, the Browns, I believe the team account tweeted it out, was kind of the big play there of Kaiser's time Saturday night. He didn't look, I should. I don't want to jump ahead and say he didn't look like a rookie because I'm on the Kaiser train. But in the time he played, he looked much more composed than he did, I think, the rest of the preseason, which was just two games. But... I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I want to say he looked like a starter. Is that a stretch? No, he just looked at he looked adequate because we haven't had enough decent quarterback play to really have a baseline to go off of. So even someone that's able to move the football, I think I think what really draws the the passion out of the Cleveland fan base for Deshaun Kaiser is that the fact that he was converting on third down. You know, he was six of 18, but four of those were on third downs. And that's all about moving the football. So if you're able to move the football, I think people are going to be okay with how you played versus simple, like what we saw last year. You know, you can complete a ball on first down for two yards, but if you're not getting it done on third down, the defense is right back on the field. Even on his first drive, you look, he had two third down conversions, should have had three if not for a Kenny Britt drop. Kenny Britt has been supremely disappointing so far this year. Uh, he doesn't make the front office look good with not being able to pony up the money for Terrell Pryor. Yeah, it's, you always want to say, oh, it's just preseason, tough to tell. But 
Yeah, not looking good, that drop. I mean, any drop, a receiver dropping a ball at any point in training camp, preseason, regular season, should never happen. I don't think that's too much to ask. And you've got already a rookie quarterback back there. So what's better? I mean, he's open. He's making the right throw. Just catch the football. You know, it's not little things like that. Jumping off sides, like on the first drive here, jumping off sides on fourth down, you know, on a field goal attempt to 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 continue the drive. I understand Jabril Peppers ended up having an interception, but still, I I understand they're three and zero in the preseason, but they're still making a lot of mistakes that would come back to bite you if it were a regular season game with starters playing throughout the whole game. Yeah, look at the drive in the second quarter where Duke Johnson coughed up the ball. That was another drive that really makes Kaiser's stat line and the points scored not tell the whole story because there's two a drop and a fumble away from maybe two touchdowns. Yeah, and turnovers like that in the red zone. I think Duke John. That's not the first time Duke Johnson's fumbled so far in the preseason, if I'm not mistaken. But I I want to say it's become almost an issue with him that he he just seems to have these ball security issues. And I know there was the fake fumble in Washington that it cost them the game essentially but I, I just and maybe i'm completely wrong but i just feel like duke johnson needs to have a little bit ball security if he's if he's gonna break out carries like that 30 yarder that he did you know let's let's try not to fumble in the red zone yeah i i don't expect him to get too much time as a feature back but yeah even if he's playing slot receiver and they're throwing him a lot of short passes and trying to work the offense around him it's like with drops, it's not too much to ask not to fumble the football several times a season. No, and that's what separates good teams from bad teams. So if they want to continue to be in the cellar of the AFC North, they're going to learn that they can't make those kind of plays and expect to win football games. You're not going to go. How many penalties did they have in this game? I think I wrote it down here. They may have had eight penalties in the first half, I think. They had 14 penalties. 14 penalties. Is that a lot? That's unbelievable. <laughs> like, how do- I think towards the end of the game may have inflated that stat a little bit, but man, you can't make that many plays and expect expect to win a football game. The defense, thank God, the defense looks good so far because otherwise, I would be very concerned with how. Like if if we had the same defense last year, I'd be very concerned with how this team would look going into the regular season. On a positive note, Corey Coleman looked pretty good, and I think he finally was our receiver to step up. We've been waiting all preseason and I think it does help that he had Kaiser throwing him the ball that's a big part of it but he was still making some really nice catches yeah it almost looked like a light bulb came on for him you know it's just like one of those clicking moments that he had in his career that you know maybe this is something we'll be be grown accustomed to moving forward even that diving catch from Deshaun Kaiser perfectly thrown ball you know I've seen so many receivers try and short arm that ball or try and catch it and run with it, but, you know, do the right thing and swallow it up and just take the yardage instead of risk losing the ball when you hit the ground. So good job out of Corey Coleman this week. He finished with 66 yards on four catches, which is pretty good stats for a preseason game. I think they played deep into the third quarter too, if I'm not mistaken, the receivers. Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman were out there, I think, well into when Cody Kessler was, was on the field. But interesting. It makes sense in that third preseason game. Another point I want to bring up, which we talked about in our game preview podcast, for those who listened, we knew that Brock Osweiler wasn't going to play, but isn't it odd that he started the first two games? It goes back to, and didn't play this game. It goes back to what you said on our last show, where kind of the bad parts of a quarterback competition, because you essentially wasted two weeks. 
Don't you yeah. think it's just, just in general, it's odd to start him if the contingency plan, if he failed, was just to not play him at all? Yeah, I mean, even looking at what we saw in the scrimmage, we saw a quarterback that was still a little bit better than Brock Osweiler. And the excuse was, oh, well, he hasn't had too much time with the ones. Well, you know, he ended up being the same freaking quarterback, and now Deshaun Kaiser sitting here in the third preseason game making mistakes that if he had made in the first preseason game, would have been able to at least correct and adjust those. And I'm not saying he won't by the time the the season opener starts, but just goes back to like you said how bad a quarterback competition could be if you have a promising young quarterback that you're taking reps away from for somebody who you pretty much already know what you got and that's Brock Osweiler the frustrating thing for me is that I mean this Browns defense let me preface by saying this Browns defense can be pretty good this year they're looking good right now but that's really the defense he's practicing the most against and the first two weeks he went against some third and fourth stringers this week he went against a Tampa team that's good. They're not anywhere near the best. And then the Bears' defense next week is not going to be anything spectacular if Kaiser even plays. So now you're giving him really just experience against his own defense, who's not even hitting him. And then week one he has to go against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going against Pittsburgh's going to be a rude awakening for Deshaun Kaiser. You know, I, I want to be positive because there were some throws last night that made me that made my jaw drop. And I think that he his ability is there. But I think the Browns just have to do a better job of just planning the game around the run. You know, Isaiah Correll did a lot of falling forward last night versus actually running the football. And that's it comes with his running style. But man, you just got to stay upright for more than three or four steps as soon as you get the ball. Oh, I could talk offense all day. And I agree. That's been Crowell's thing since he joined the team it's like Monterio hardesty with the the spin move oh, all the geez. time you know it's <laughs> the madden spin move it's just a bad look i mean his first two carries of the game he just stumbled forward and i'm like dude come on stay upright hit the hole it's kind of like in madden when you accidentally dive that's yeah. what he's like because he's running and just falls and kind of like plops down for like two three yards they just they still can't seem to run the ball deshaun kaiser's he he threw that ball he tried and forced it over the middle so I'll take that versus maybe under throwing an out route for a pick six or some some throw like that. But I wish Deshaun Kaiser would have gotten the reps early on that Brock Osweiler had gotten because now we're going to go through these growing pains. And while some of us might be able to to take that, you know, and be understand that it's a rookie quarterback back there, I just feel like other factions are not going to be as receptive if he starts throwing interceptions, you know, that that possibly lose us a game. The pro Kessler crowd, are you referring to? Yeah. I mean, I wrote in my article that, that Deshaun Kaiser can make plays for you to win a game, and that's why I would prefer him start over a guy like Cody Kessler. Even watching that game last night, the throws that Deshaun was making, or even attempting for that matter, was the exact reason why Cody Kessler was pulled from that Baltimore Ravens game on Thursday night. So when you you look at a guy like Deshaun Kaiser, yes, he can make throws that w- that could win you a game, but... There's the opposite of that, too, which he could make a throw that will end up losing you a game just because of the risk-reward factor of having such a big arm. Do you think he's kind of a similar quarterback, at least in that sense, to who we saw Saturday in Jameis Winston, who's going to get you some big, giant throws, but then sometimes just wing a horrible ball, and you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think 
the, obviously the body types are similar, you know, big stocky quarterbacks, like not the most gifted athletes, but still good enough to, if you need a third and eight, they'll be able to, to pound forward and get that for you. I, I agree. I think they're both on in the same line of thought in terms of their decision-making. Like you said, you know, you, he'll make a throw down the field that makes your jaw drop, but then make one that makes you scratch your head. And it's like, just, just a little bit more consistency would be nice. <laughs> To me, both of them, at least what I've seen out of Jameis a lot, is like the four hitches, couple pump fakes, and throw it off the wrong foot. And that's the kind of what I get out of Kaiser. Like the play is never dead, but at the same time, the longer you wait, the more dangerous it gets. And you don't want to see any more like Jameis like throws where he's on his back and then throws it up in the end zone. I don't know though. Like those kind of plays, they make you wait though because you can't see what's going on downfield. You know, remember and I, I, I might be chastised by saying this, those Johnny Manziel years when he was with A&M against Alabama, you know, just r- running around in the backfield and then planting and throwing it up to Mike Evans, you know. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't the most smart play, but it worked. And so if, if Kaiser can break free a little bit, similar to what you see out of Ben Roethlisberger, you know, the ability to shed tackles in the pocket, just break out a little bit and improvise with the receivers, you know, he's got the arm strength to put it where he wants. Yeah, it's a stretch now, but Kaiser does have a lot of Roethlisberger qualities. Just the, it's, it's nice to have a quarterback also who's a, a bigger build. Not like a Derek Anderson, awkwardly tall, like a Mike Glennon body, but like a true big athlete. Just like someone, you know, when it's windy outside, that you're afraid that you're you're not afraid that they're going to actually blow away with the wind, or when they throw it, the ball's going to turn around and come right back to them. You know, what doing that with Cody Kessler at the end of last year, you know, you, you just look at him and he can't really cut it through the wind like a guy like Deshaun Kaiser can. So yes, I agree. It is very nice to have someone, even like a Joe Flacco type body, just a big, strong. You know, I, I think Tony Grossi refers to them as an AFC North quarterback. Well, it, I think for his term, it'd be about uh, three-fourths of the AFC North quarterback because the Browns haven't fallen under that uh, category until about yesterday. Maybe. Fingers crossed. This is, this is where I kind of had the interesting thought about starting Kaiser, too, is when you start Brock Osweiler week one, you can, you can then move to Deshaun Kaiser as, like, your, your next move. You know, that's your out. So if Osweiler were to start the season – two and oh or like two and one get on a good ride you know if he starts to stumble then you can be optimistic and move to Deshaun Kaiser versus now that you're rolling with Deshaun Kaiser week one if he's not as good as advertised or if he falls on his face you know in the first three or four games you're kind of left back to square one again are you not I agree I think Hugh Jackson's banking on Kaiser I think if Brock Osweiler wasn't as horrible as he is he would be starting, but he's just too bad. It, it's almost like Hugh Jackson would have to ignore everything on film, what his other coaches are telling him, to start Osweiler. I know. Like, he's just too bad. But I agree. I, I think that's true with any quarterback, though. If they fail, you're, you're kind of done. Sometimes you get caught up in the hole. Well, we need to sit him because we don't want him to get hurt. You know, well, it's football. So, But what if he fails in week 9 through 13 as opposed to 1 through 4? His exactly. first start still his first start. Yeah, and that way you can at least get him more reps. It just it just almost inspired that hope that Carson Wentz inspired to Philadelphia last year. Where yeah, seven and nine. I think if Deshaun Kaiser wins seven games this year, he'll get his own statue. But just just some hope going into the off season would be nice. If Deshaun Kaiser gets seven wins, he will get 
a record contract extension. Or you know what even be more special? He'll start next year. What a no, crazy thought. Yeah, no I think that's worth anything and everything right there. Like the he goes into have. the offseason. He could meet with the receivers training in the offseason as the starter. Right? What and a novel they idea. They don't have to draft a core. They could actually draft like a playmaker in the top 15. Oh, I guess they did that with Corey Coleman already, but maybe some giant receiver that happens to come out of a big time school, like a Calvin Johnson or AJ Green type receiver. That's what we need. Who falls to like 12 through 15 in the draft because of some ridiculous problem. Of course, the year that the Browns would get the draft, the city would have like the 27th pick or like the 20th pick in the draft, you know, like not be a, a major player like they were like they are in this coming year with five picks in the first two rounds. But that's better. I was when when that was announced, I wrote about that. I'm like, hopefully by then the Browns aren't picking in the top five. It's not as exciting to be there, but you. It'd be so nice because you'd be like, ah, look, Jacksonville's picking first. I don't have to start pre-gaming for the draft at seven, you know, when it starts. <laughs> we could actually wait until the end of the first round. Or I would love nothing more than to have to wait until pick 20 for them to make their first selection. And it's just like some lineman. We're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. It's not a franchise-changing pick. And this year's picks, just really quick, my favorite player, Jabril Peppers, had an interception Saturday night. He is definitely looking like a not I can't I don't want to say looking like a star cuz it's preseason but he's looking like a legit safety in the NFL after months of people dogging him saying he couldn't play safety. Yeah, he looks like a I'll say it for you, he looks like a star. Man, he every time the ball's in his hands, even on that interception, man, he almost took that back to the house. Like I I knew that based on the angles that he probably wasn't going to take it there cuz I figured there'd be an offensive lineman there to push him out of bounds, but I mean, the way he runs when he's got the ball in his hands is something like Deion Sanders, which is crazy. Yeah, he's like athletic and big like a linebacker, but is agile like a safety and punt returner. I can't believe they wanted to put him at strong safety and not let him be a free safety and just roam around back there. But because that's what he is now, and it's like almost it's like a seamless transition into that role for him. Also on the defensive side, I want to touch on really quick because it's been a story that doesn't get as much press because of the quarterback situation. Joe Schobert, who is now going to be the starting middle linebacker, is looking pretty good. How did he do last night? He had six tackles. Oh, wow. In The key is he's in on a lot of plays. Him and Kirksey led the game in tackles. I saw Kirksey had a big sack, too. That was nice to see. Just Schobert, it's good to see the 2016 picks pay off. At least some of them, yeah. Because a lot of the ones on offense not paying off but if the ones on defense can do well that's that's pretty pretty good again and not a single receiver in the second unit stepping up out of that class Corey coleman thank god breathing some life into that unit kenny Britt underwhelming jordan payton probably going to get cut ricardo lewis probably won't get cut but you know hasn't really made an impact like everyone was touting him up early on in training camp as the next breakout player he hasn't done anything in the preseason. So I think the Browns have to be looking at some sort of acquisition at wide receiver, whether it's trade, free agency. After roster cuts, they got to go after someone. I would start doing it now before roster cuts. If there's a guy that you want, go get him. You know, you've got ton, tons of capital. It doesn't even have to be second, third round pick, obviously. A guy at this stage, unless it's a premier talent, you're not going to have to give that up. So if there's a guy that they have in mind, I suggest going to get him. You know who did have a catch Saturday night? Richard Mullaney. He did. One catch, 10 yards. 
Wow, that's a good average. Going to have to buy his jersey. That's a, that's a first. If he gets a catch every time, that's like a first down every time, right? Based on that average. It's pretty good. I, th- I mean, that's more yards than Jordan Payton and Rashard Higgins had. Man, how can you call yourself Hollywood but can't even sniff the field on a team that lacks wide receiver depth? It makes no sense. Well, I, bet, I think that was a poorly aged college nickname. College nickname. Like it was his nickname in college. Where did he go to? Did he go to Colorado? Colorado State. Colorado State. I should know that, man. I should know that. That's a good trivia question. It was. Speaking of, good segue, Steven. Wow, you're very good at this. It's almost like we've got it right on the agenda. Moving into our trivia segment, I'll kick it off with my first question. Steven, how many Browns quarterbacks started under Coach Romeo Cornell? Ooh, I'm. Let me. And and can you name them? So when I name them, if I get one wrong, I lose. I feel like just how about, so off the top of your head right now, how many how many quarterbacks do you think started under Romeo? I have to name them. Charlie Fry, one. Derek Anderson, two. Two. Ooh, I know. He, I know he didn't start. And then the next year was a total crapshoot. Ooh, Brady Quinn. Yeah, that's the third one. I think you might get one out of the last three. There's Maybe three more? Two. Yeah, there's three more. Uh, Bruce Gradkowski? That's one. Wow. <laughs> I don't. That's the one I figured you might get. I'm pretty sure you won't get the next two, but we'll see. Oh, so, oh man. Uh, that's like a weird time because you associate it with Derek Anderson. And we've talked about him on this podcast before. I, uh, is it Thad Lewis? No, it's not. So the other there's two, two more. There are two more. There's six total. So you're just missing two. You have Derek Anderson, Charlie Fry, Brady Quinn, Bruce Gradkowski. I'll give you... You like how I got Bruce Gradkowski? <laughs> I, dude, he was always the Week 17 starter for some year. So I just always throw his name in anytime there's a Browns quarterback. I have a weird timeline because I remember the players like 2010 starting. Yeah. Can I have like a hint? No. I'm going to give you two more seconds. I have to get... I don't know. It is... The first one is Ken Dorsey. Oh, jeez. And the next one, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer started under Cornell? He was a starter in 2005. I didn't realize Cornell was here then. Yeah. So my questions are Tampa Bay Buccaneers themed. Oh, great. I, my extensive knowledge of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll give you an easy one to start. What was the last year the Bucks went to the playoffs? 2002. Whenever they played the Raiders in the Super Bowl. No, they made it in 2007. They won their division. I think Gruden was still there, right? Was he? They went. They had one season. Oh no, the year I'm thinking of with Raheem Morris, they started off four and zero and then lost like ten in a row. Yeah, Gruden was still there in 2007. Oh, who was the quarterback? I don't know. Okay, I don't care. I don't don't have this kind of info. I'm sorry. Just asking too many questions. All right, hit me with yours. Next, next question for me. You may know this coach as the name played on Cincinnati Bengals Stadium. Paul Brown was a high school coach for what high school? Massillon. Yeah, that is correct. Nice. I did not I know, know my uh, Northeast Ohio <laughs> 1920s football trivia. Tried to throw it off with a little bit of Bengals in there to throw it off. But ooh, ooh. Nice, nice. Here's my next Tampa Bay Buccaneers trivia. John Gruden took his team to the Super Bowl in his first year. Who did he take over for in Tampa Bay? Oh, my goodness. I have no clue. Perhaps the second most famous Bucks coach in history. 
drawing a blank. I don't know. Tony Dungy. He was the Bucks coach? For quite a while, before wow. he went to Indianapolis. Did not know that. That's all I remember is Tony Dungy in the Indy area. Indy era. Yeah, I don't think you were watching the Bucks when you were two. You're like, oh, we got no. this new Dungy coach. Nope, 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 nope. Third and final question for me. How many playoff games did the Cleveland Browns win in the 1970s? I know they blew one. I'm going to say two. Zero is the answer. Zero. They didn't win any. So, fun fact. Tried to switch it up on you a little bit. So, kind of, I feel like we're, we belong in the 70s then because that's how it feels like now. <laughs> At least we weren't the only decade to experience something like this because that's pretty miserable. And I'm sure they made it to the playoffs too and just lost. I would rather do that than go through what we've been through over the last 15 years. I have a great question that I'll have to give you a hint for because it's a little difficult. Which former, I'll say former, very popular SEC football coach started the first game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their franchise history? (laughs) Started the first game, like quarterback? At quarterback, and he's a very famous former SEC football coach. Former SEC. Does he coach in a different conference now? He does not coach anymore. What team did he coach in college? Give it away. Lay it on me. Steve Spurrier. I need to brush up on my Tampa Bay trivia. Well, I stumped you. I stumped the Schwab. My trivia usually expires after like a certain amount of years. Who started for the Browns two years ago? No idea. Yeah. (laughs) Everything, Everything past like... 2002 the year 2000 is like a blur for me my trivia is for the fans out there you know they're probably screaming into their headsets like (laughs) steve spurrier you ass you idiot uh all right we're gonna move into now our our grades for the offense defense and special teams offense for me gets a c minus you know they uh the minus comes more from the inaccuracy and the the drops from the receivers um, I think it could have been a little worse, but the Browns were consistently put in bad field position. They're putting the ball inside the 5-10 yard line, so it's tough for Deshaun Kaiser to, to work his way out of there. But he did make some nice plays there, and I think there is a lot of room for, for improvement, but a lot of room to be optimistic as well with Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, offense for me, I'm kind of just going to go off really the first team offense because it's tough to grade. Like, well, Kevin Hogan wasn't looking too great. Uh, I think for me, just to see, I'll bump it up, bump up your score a bit. The drops and the penalties were not ideal, but they were moving the ball. And I mean, they had two turnovers, really wreck drives, a drop wreck a drive. So it's a C. It wasn't horrible because they were they were moving the ball, but it obviously wasn't a higher grade because they couldn't capitalize in the end zone. At least the yeah. first team offense. What do you think about the defense? Is it is it a stretch to say an A? You're bend, but an, don't no. break A. For you, it's not a stretch. I I love this team, man. I I can't help but hand out high grades. They were giving up chunk plays all game long. I mean, every every time I turn around, they were giving up a 17, 19, 18. I mean, a double digit yard pass or run play that one of these times when you're playing a number one offense is going to come back to bite you. If I'm an offense trying to game plan against the Browns defense right now, yeah, let them blitz. I'm just going to run screen passes until you figure it out. And the more they bring pressure against guys like Jameis Winston who are a little bit mobile and able to to move their feet a little bit and escape that pressure, I mean, they're going to get busted open for 20, 30-yard gains. Hey, if they don't give up touchdowns. Exactly. That's why I gave them a B-, minus. but again, I don't think that how they're playing right now will translate 
if they can't get to the quarterback. If you get to the quarterback, it's a whole different story because that's one play that can completely disrupt a drive. But on the other hand, if you miss them, then you're giving up 20, 30-yard plays that cost you points in the long run. Moving to special teams, my grade is incomplete. Incomplete. Because I don't think there was really enough to jump. I mean, I guess I could be like B. No, Steven, do you know what this is? This is our weekly discussion on who is going to win the kicking battle. I mean, Zane Gonzalez missed a field goal, so is he dead in the water? I think he's done. Cody Parkey's got it. No, I, I see again. They're gonna flip now, a coin. Are you gonna cut? Yeah, exactly. Are you gonna cut that guy because he missed a fifty-five yarder? Like, okay. I think <laughs> we said in the last podcast that they can hit him in their sleep, and I guess saying Gonzalez must have slept in today or yesterday because he didn't make that field goal. So, either one that they take, I think they're gonna be fine. And at this point, they should just pick one and get it over with. Yeah, I think that whoever they don't pick is gonna get be on a new team the next day. Yeah, I think. I, we both kind of covered our MVP as Jabril Peppers. I think he was really the only guy oh, yeah. that, that stood out aside from kind of what Deshaun Kaiser can bring to the table. But one interesting storyline that I've been monitoring was the developments in Kansas City and their running back position after Spencer Ware went down. As we've talked about before on the podcast, Kareem Hunt being a local Northeast Ohio high school football player. Uh, he's now in line to be the starter in Kansas City, and we've all been accustomed to what Andy Reid can do with his running backs, whether it's going from Jamal Charles to Spencer Ware or Charkandrick West. You know, those guys are set up for success with a good offensive line and a good defense and plenty of opportunities to touch the ball. So I'm hoping Kareem Hunt can explode on the scene now that he's given the opportunity in Kansas City. Yeah, it stinks that he had the start because of a season-ending injury, but... Yeah, it's exciting. Another local guy. We got Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell, playing well Sunday afternoon while we're recording this. You got Kareem Hunt starting. It's pretty good for Northeast Ohio football. My story goes back to what I talked about in the last episode, and it's the real odd situation in Jacksonville where they started Chad Henney for their third preseason game, but then like two days after, they're like, Blake Bortles is our starting quarterback. I'm like, do you think not starting this game, he's like, oh, shucks, now I'm really going to have to turn around these bad years I've had. This is why quarterback competitions do nobody any good. But that wasn't even a competition. They just yeah. benched him. Well, that's Bortles was doing so bad that they had to make it a competition, <laughs> which is almost kind of like what happened with the Browns. I guess it True. was an open competition, but Brock and Cody really never seized the opportunity to make themselves the starter when it, it was almost gift-wrapped to Deshaun Kaiser at that point, so... Maybe it was for the best. I can't believe Kaiser was the third-string quarterback like a month ago. These podcasts don't age well. No, they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. It's us like, you know, I really am fine with Brock starting, and then it's two days later. It's all Kaiser, baby. I'm on the Kaiser train. (laughs) I was on the Kessler train. You were on the Kessler train. More like the Kessler cheap whiskey as opposed no. to Cody Kessler. The Kessler train is that train that you ride around in the mall. That's the Kessler. You and like four other people. The creepy guy alone. I'd be like, I just wanted to get on the train. There was a pro football focus employee that, that tweeted something about, I don't get why the Browns quarterback problem is such a problem. Sit Kaiser, start Kessler, cut Osweiler. Like, it's so easy. That was after game three. It's like... Sir, I don't know what you're watching, but Cody Kessler is not good. Yeah, it's like he's accurate. Like, well, I guess half of his stats came in garbage time. 
He can't I mean, I like throw the Cody ball Kessler, but he wasn't great last year at all. No, and even now we can't throw the ball downfield. So he doesn't do you any good when most of your offense comes from play action and the ability to move the ball downfield in large chunk plays, which is what Hugh Jackson wants to do. No, I'm bummed out. Cody Kessler, the ride. W- will he ever start a game and win? No one knows. No, he's going to go 0-8. That's it. That's fine. Well, we got Deshaun Kaiser now. We got another rookie. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm excited. Who do they play next week? The Chicago Bears. Ooh, Mitchell and Deshaun. I hope Deshaun Kaiser doesn't play. I don't even think I'm going to watch that game, to be honest. I am. I want to see Trubisky play. I'm just sick of the preseason, man. I, I watch it for is a half, awful. and then they get taken out of the game. I'm like, what? Come on! I want to watch the re- I want to watch the ones play the whole game. It's not fun. Well, the good news is the season starts September 10th, which is going to be quick. The next four months of our lives, how they're going to go, we'll know after like at 2:30 on September 10th. Oh, it'll be an interesting ride, to say the least. Happy we made it this far. Me too. We only have one more preseason game. We've taken the podcast from Kirk Cousins rumors to Deshaun Kaiser hype. It's funny how that changes. <laughs> I think we got to wrap it up before we harken back too much to Kirk Cousin hot takes. Yeah. But as always, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. It is, as many people, including Andrew Sipe, say, the most convenient way to get the latest episodes. Brandon Onda, while one-time guest, also said it's the most convenient way. He told me this. In confidence. Yeah, and leave reviews on our podcast as well on iTunes. Yeah, that'd be nice. Five stars. We're very fragile. <laughs> but yeah, subscribe on iTunes. Be sure to read everything on the on Dog Pound Daily. It's great. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>